And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. So, as Pastor said, it's National Youth Day. I'm Zach Barnes. I'm the student pastor here at Evangel. So, if you're a first-time guest, hey, hello. It's nice to meet you. Um, love to connect with you after church. If you're a middle or high school student, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m., we meet in the youth room, uh, which is on the high road exit. If you look, high road entrance, if you look out there, there's a big blue door that says Thrive across the middle. And that's how you get in. But uh, every Wednesday night, we'd love for you to be a part of that. It's National Youth Day. And first off, I, I, I just really want to thank Pastor for his leadership here and for just believing in the future generation of Evangel and Tallahassee and how he pours into us as, as staff, but also as all of us as a congregation. Great leader. I love him and Miss Kathy so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Pastor Andrea, for letting us be with your team and worship, and just, you did great. Thank you so much. It was, it was so much fun to see the students using their talents, and, you know, this morning, my hope is to share just a, just a little glimpse of what we do on a Wednesday night, um, and what it looks like in a youth service. I, I will tell you that there were no embarrassing games today. I'm not going to make you get up, and I know if you were in youth group, you probably remember stuff like that, but we try not to do that to students. We try not to embarrass them. We're there to, uh, equip them and, and make them feel safe and comfortable and also make them and help them discover who they are in Christ. And I want to share a little bit of my heart about what we believe youth ministry should look like and what Thrive Student Ministry looks like here. So my, uh, my beautiful wife, Lacey, she's somewhere. I don't know if she was here, but she's a youth director. She's our worship director. She leads that team uh, with Molly and some of those other guys and girls that are part of that team. They meet once a month. They practice hard. They put their set list together and they lead us into the presence of Lord, every Wednesday night, we kick it off right at 7 p.m. I'm thankful for her because I don't know anything about music. I don't play an instrument. I don't sing. So she's a true blessing to me, and I love her very much. Um, listen, I want, before I go any further, though, and jump into this message, I want to brag on the team that really makes Wednesday nights run because I cannot do it by myself at all. I, want, I got a picture here, a few pictures, actually, I want to share with you. This is our uh, our middle school team of, of leaders here. The only one not pictured is Hannah Albritton. She's unable to be here this morning, and I think she was working with a parent that night, doing you know just being awesome like Hannah is, and working with a parent and, and connecting with a parent after service because the kid had some questions. But we have Kimberly Cardwell, we have Reed Moody, we have Craig Hampton and Hudson Sauls, and these are our leaders who lead our middle school ministry. That's sixth through eighth grade. So when a, a middle school student walks in to thrive, they have a team of, of adults that are going to meet them, greet them, help them get connected, make them feel comfortable and safe. And mom and dad, I know because I, I was in middle school one time and I've been in youth ministry for, for about 10 years. I know when you send your middle schooler in, it feels like you're sending them into the jungle and we don't want that to be the case here. We want you to know that there are adults that love them and that your kids are safe and that they also are getting connected into the Thrive family. These guys are awesome. They love middle school students, and they help me a tremendous amount. I couldn't do ministry, youth ministry here without this team of middle school uh, leaders. So, yeah, give them a hand. I love those guys. I got, I, that's our middle school team. We have a high school team. Uh, uh, Mr. John and Miss Lori Burks are pictured there. They're over our ninth and 10th grade team. And ninth and 10th grade is, is the nucleus of Thrive. They are the biggest group. They are also the loudest group as well. You, uh, if you ever, yeah, there they are. So, but, uh, they are very vocal, very passionate. They love Jesus and they, they are not, uh, ashamed to 
tell me what they think a lot of times. So I love them. They're very honest. Uh, but John and Lori do an incredible job leading that, that, that small group and that ministry of 9th and 10th graders. Molly assists. But Molly also has taken on a role of being our, our fine arts coach. She, uh, she worked with Drew and Maya and some of the other students and doing dramas, not just for fine arts, but they do them as well throughout the, throughout the year. They help me preach messages in, on Wednesday night, which is a, a really cool feature to see kids be used for ministry and, and to help in, in, in that component in the worship service. And then we have Mikey there. Mikey Haugen, he, um, Haugen, he, uh, is what we call our tabletop ministry. He's the guy behind the scenes. He has a team of students that from set up to tear down to making sure everything smoothly behind the scenes is, is working. He's, he's our guy. I, there's things he probably takes care of that I don't know what happened on Wednesday night. And that's a, a great relief off of me. I couldn't do it without this team of leaders. I could not do, uh, we couldn't love the students and continue to reach out to more students as, as we want to. And I'm very appreciative of them. So thank you guys. Thank you so very, very much. You know, Lacey and I, right now, we oversee the 11th and the 12th grade small group time. I uh, love those guys and girls dearly, and we're getting ready to see some of those 12th graders graduate this year. So that's a little sad, but it's also really encouraging to see what God's going to do in their next step of life. So, um, yeah, that, that's really, that's, that's kind of in the nutshell how we break the night down. Wednesday nights are our large group meeting time. We assemble together for worship. But before we do that, the first 10 to 15 minutes of every service, we break up into small groups. We break up into, um, the, we call them breakout groups, by grade level. And in those breakout groups, what's going to happen is uh, in your middle school group, your middle school team's going to work with those students, and they're going to take up prayer requests, and they're going to encourage. They may be silly and laugh, and it's just a, it's a community building time is, what, is really what it is. And then the same for our 9th and 10th grade and 11th, 12th grade. And once that time is done, we go right into a worship service. Our band kicks us off and they play and they worship the Lord with a, with a set of three or four songs. And then we get up and we transition much like we do here on a Sunday morning. Um, we're trying to disciple and train students for the next step in their life. And we, uh, and, and especially in church culture and, and the way to run a service as well. So we're, we're trying to prepare them and give them opportunities to lead. So what happens is we'll worship this with song and then we'll worship in our giving. We challenge the students to give, to be good stewards with their money. Um, probably some of your money that you give them, parents. But, uh, but we want them to be good stewards with that as well. And then I firmly believe, and it's part of the DNA, my DNA is I, and it's the DNA of this church is we have it every Sunday morning. We have response time at the altar. I believe what the Holy Spirit can do in five minutes is far greater than anything I can preach in 25 or 30 minutes. And I believe that when kids invite their friends, because I, I was in those youth services the same way as you know, with them, I've been there before, I enjoyed that response time where I got to hear a message that challenged me, and that how can I make the next step, but then can I hear the voice of God? And we give altar time, we put a... We put a, a a value on that where we, we uh, open the altars and kids can come down for prayer, for healing. We, we want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation uh, you know, in our students. I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to students just the same way he speaks to adults. There's no junior Holy Spirit. He's the same one. He speaks to us all. Amen? I want to give, I want to give kids the opportunity to learn how to hear his voice. And learn how to be sensitive to that. So, and, and that's really how we run our services. Of course, we do the fun games. We do outreach nights. We call them invite nights where they can invite their friends. We do cr- 
in some minds, you're like, that's just crazy. That's insane. I never would have thought of that. I've had people tell me that before. But, you know, we do it to have fun. But the, the, the overarching goal is we want kids to connect, grow, and serve. That's what we want our students to do, 6th through 12th grade. And that's, that's our whole aim. That's our whole focus. That's what leads us through. And, you know, we do a small group on Sunday morning uh, if, if for kids 6th through 12th grade as well. There's a lady, a coach, famous youth leader called Jenny Mayo. I read a lot of her stuff and some of her philosophies I've adopted as my own. But one of the things that I tell our youth leaders, and, and Jenny says this well, and this is her quote, if your youth ministry fails the friendliness test, students and their friends will not come back. It is our goal every, more, every Wednesday night when we open those doors that this is the friendliest place in Tallahassee. And that students feel safe and they feel secure. They don't feel judged. They don't feel any of that. They feel like, hey, this is just like stepping into home. Now, of course, we have rules like you have rules at your house. And we, and we try to guide those. But we extend grace. We extend mercy. Because God reached all of us at different places. Probably some of you when you were a teenager. How many people got saved when they were in their teenage years? Can I have a show of hands? Yeah, a lot of you. I know I did. Some of you maybe later on in life, or maybe today, before you leave this place, you need to make that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life. It's the best decision you'll ever make. I firmly believe that salvation is the greatest miracle still for anyone, for all of us here, and that's what we want to see take place in the lives of our students and the life of our church. So, like I said, church, I'm not going to make you, we're not going to break out into small groups. We're not going to break it out in sections. We're not going to do that. That would be confused. And uh, we're not going to do upfront silly games. No one's getting a pie in the face. None of that. No one's, that's not happening. But I do want to share really briefly with you a discipleship strategy and a message that's really near and dear to my heart and is something that we pour into our students uh, each and every week. Uh, it's called Speed the Light. And most of you have heard me talk about it before, uh, but I'm going to give you a little more background history and, and really where this movement is going and where we want to take our students along this journey. The title of today's message is The Human Right to Know Jesus. Let me give you some history real quick. In 1944, there's a man by the name Ralph W. Harris, who was the national youth director of the Assemblies of God at the time, 1944. And he had a burden for missionaries. He had a burden to help missionaries buy the necessary equipment that they would need to, to, to get on the field and to spread the gospel to people that had never heard it before. And he, they were just, he was just crunchy. Just, he had, he, God was burning something deep in him and he didn't know. So he went, he spent a week in prayer as the, as the story goes. And he, he spent a week in prayer. He comes out of prayer and fasting and he feels like God tells him, use students to raise money. And they, he told the superintendent at that time and the guy, they, the, according to the story, they laughed at him. They thought it was crazy. Though it was crazy that you were, we're going to ask our teenagers in 1944 to give money, to sacrifice, to buy vehicles, and these kids don't even have vehicles themselves. And he said, yes, sir, that's, that's what I believe God's telling me to do. And they just said, okay, we'll give you a year. We'll give you a year to do it. So they, they launched it. They launched it in 1944. And in the first year, when the, at the end of the year, the, the offerings that came in totaled over 100 thousand dollars in in year one students all around ag's ag uh churches all around the nation gave to speed the light to see missionaries equipped with vehicles audiovisual equipment and 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 i tell students you know what's even cool is speed the light bought some donkeys a few years ago to help missionaries get into the hills where vehicles couldn't go so speed the light doesn't buy vehicles it buys donkeys as well which is pretty cool uh, but uh, um but the next year was even better they said okay you know that that's great you know ralph we uh 
we believe in this. We'll give you another chance. The next year, 1945, over $1 million. 1945, over $1 million come in through AG Churches for Speed to Light. And ever since then, since from 1944 until here recently, we've, there's over $265 million that teenagers and churches have sacrificially given so missionaries can go to places that have never heard about Jesus before. And that is incredible. That is what, and that's really what we want to challenge our students to be. It's not, it's not another fundraiser. I know Miss Gala jokes with me that I'm the fundraiser guy and, 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 uh, and, and I get that a lot, but it's not another fundraiser I want to do. What we're really trying to disciple the students is, hey, trust God, believe to hear his voice, and then you just got to step out in faith and, and see that he's going to provide for you. That's what Speed of Light teaches, and that's what we want to teach our students as well. So let me fast forward a little bit. In, in 2014, the human right movement was birthed. Um, by the National Youth Director at this time, uh, Heath Adamson, and a team of people. What they had noticed, what they had come to find out, is that this generation, this millennial generation as we call it, is that they are not so much driven anymore by just giving money because someone tells them it's the right thing to do. They're driven by a cause. They will, they will get behind a cause and be severely passionate for it. So... In, in wisdom, and I think a lot of prayer as they got ready to launch this human right movement, it, it was basically what it, what it drives students to do is, is to look at the social injustices of life. And, and kids are all about social injustice. I think we hear it a lot. There's either from you know, providing clean drinking water to villages that don't have them, or it's uh, fighting sex trafficking, or poverty, or racism, or starvation. All of these causes are great. All of them are beneficial, and, I, and I'm a part of those, and, we, and I've given to stuff like that, and I've worked in areas of, uh, to do things like that, but I believe that the greatest social injustice in the world today is that there are billions of people around the world that have never, ever heard a clear gospel presentation that Jesus loves them, that he came, that he died, that he rose again, and that he wants you to experience this same love, and that's what we want to share with people. That's what this strategy is really all about. We want, to, we want to train students and we want to equip students with knowing how to share the gospel to their friends, to their neighbors. How to be passionate for our missionaries and how to give and how to sacrifice. We believe that everyone deserves to hear that Jesus loves them, that no one is out of his grace and no one doesn't deserve his love and salvation. We want everyone who, will, who chooses to hear, to have this right to hear, and, that, and that's really what we're pushing for. This strategy challenges pastors, it challenges students, parents, to ask this question. What am I doing to share the good news that Jesus is alive and that he's the way, the truth, and the life? It really boils down to being able to start a conversation, to look and pray for opportunities to share your faith, and then to just trust God and step out and do it as the Holy Spirit leads you. I believe for this movement to take root, I believe that it's got to be ingrained in the heart of, of each and every individual who says, yeah, people deserve a right to hear that Jesus loves them. We get to hear it every Sunday morning. I think about that because, you know, we're taking a team to Costa Rica here in, in just a few short weeks. It, it's really coming on me fast. But we're taking a team of 15, some of them students, other adults. Some, some of the team's been with us before we were there last year. And we will go and we will meet in the city of Limon which is one of the poorest cities, uh, no, it is one of the poorest cities there in Costa Rica. And there's a young couple who is about my age and Lacey's age. They're, well, they're actually younger than us, and they're house pastors in Limon. 
An old drug house was donated to them, and they've, re, they've remodeled it. We helped paint it last year. And we had church there last year where a dad and his whole family got saved. And I think about those people who, who some of them travel great distances, ride in, 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 in buses or vans just to get there to hear about this hope. And it's a hope that's inside of us that, man, I so desperately want to share with whoever is willing to listen. I believe for this, this movement, this strategy to be effective in our students' lives, as well as in the, in the Assemblies of God, in the greater church world, is that we got to do these three things. And the first one of those things is we have to learn to abide in Jesus. John 15, verse 4 and 5, you can follow on the screen or if you want to read in your Bible. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5 says, and this is Jesus talking, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I really, I really believe what Jesus is saying to his disciples then and to us today in this room is I, this is Jesus saying this, I want to be in your presence and I want you to be in mine. I just want you to be with me. As I was praying and preparing for this message, I felt like God dropped this thought in my heart that there may be some in this room today, and I know in my time of working with students, there's been students who said, you know, I just don't feel like my mom or dad want me around. My mom and dad don't even care. that They don't even know I exist. Can I say this? That the God of heaven knows that you exist. And he loves you so much that he says, I want you to come and just be with me. I want you to come and just be by my side because I love you that much. If you had a mom or dad who just ignored you, I'm telling you this, that the God of heaven, he's a good, good daddy. And he loves you so very much. And he wants, to be, he wants you to be in his presence. He wants to share things with you. He wants to love you and make sure that you know that you're loved. Listen, as we abide in him, his thoughts, I believe, become our thoughts. And we become more like Jesus. That's really what we're supposed to be doing. And then we start to see people the way Jesus sees them. I want to be so hidden in Christ that people don't see who I am, but they see Jesus in me. It's a prayer of my heart. It's a prayer for our students, and it's a prayer, I believe, for every believer. Man, I, I want Jesus to abide in me so much that people see him. Is that what you want this morning? Listen, I, I believe this passage also teaches us that our growth spiritually is not based on our own merit, but it is simply in abiding in Jesus and with Jesus. It's making a choice daily to be with him in his presence, to get along and, and be by his side. We do it through reading our word. We do it through prayer. We do it through worship. We do it through gathering like this in these settings. But Jesus just said, I just invite you to come. Not, you don't have to come and get all right and get all cleaned up and look a certain way. You just have to come follow me because I love you for who you are when we choose to abide our next step and my second point is then we abandon we abandon Luke 9 23 through 24 I believe it's a believer's verse it says this and he was saying to them all if anyone this is Jesus talking again if anyone wishes to come after me he must deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Here's some thoughts. Abandonment is the deeper level that Christ calls you and I to. And you have to weigh the cost. We all do. And ask ourselves this question. Will I continue to live for myself or will I choose to live for him? 
Abandonment is this. Here's another thought I put down. Abandoning involves putting to death or denying every man-made idea of success. Picking up our cross and following Jesus as the Holy Spirit leads. Now that is, that's the kicker there. It's the Spirit of God leads you. Leads you. I think a lot of times we can get really emotional and hyped up and we want to go for it, but God didn't say go. I think we have to wait sometimes. We have to be patient. We have to really know his voice and, and be sensitive to that. You know, I, I thought about this and pondered this. When I was uh, 15 years old, I had the opportunity to come to Tallahassee for three years every week and serve as a Senate page. I got to work in the Senate. I got to see the behind the scenes. I thought, this is really cool. This is something that I think. And then, you know, God really just, you know, was dealing with my heart at 14 and 15. I felt the call to ministry. I felt the call to preach. I felt the call, especially I love I, I love the, the younger generation. I still love teenagers. I think they're the greatest people on the face of the earth. I love teenagers, and I love working with teenagers. But, but at the same time, I was dealing in my own flesh and in my own heart at 15 saying, man, this is, looks really cool. These lobbyists that I get to hang out with as a kid, and I get to see how they, they wine and dine people, and they make, it, it's just, it looked cool. And so I thought, you know, from 14 to 18, I got to serve and do that stuff. And so when I, uh, I was running from God at the time, and I, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to go to Bible college. I didn't want to do those things I felt like God was leading me to do. So I said, you know, I'm going to go to Florida State. Go Knowles. And I am, uh, I got to get that in there. And I, uh, I, I was going to major, and my major, my undergrad still is, is political science and sociology. That's where my undergrad is in. And I was, I, was, I was so determined to be a lobbyist. I was so determined to work my way up those ranks and work with the legislator. I wanted to be in that world. And I remember... God just specifically speaking to me at 19 years old, and I got the opportunity because Southwestern Assembly of God University called me and said, we'll give you a scholarship to come play football. It's like God was opening all these doors for me to fulfill the call that he put on my life, but at the same time, I want to do my own thing. I had to learn, I had to choose at that point, do I abandon my will, and do I obey the leading of the Holy Spirit? I'm glad to say that I I took the scholarship offer and I went to Southwestern. And then I, uh, and I got out there and I thought, all right, God, I'm in your will. And then on November the 11th, 2006, this defensive end from Colorado College blindsides me on an interception that I did not, you know, I I just didn't see him. And when he hit me, he hit me so hard that he drove me in the ground and just ripped my shoulder right out of socket. It, It was just a, it was a vicious hit and it was a penalty. But it was too late because my career was over. I was done playing football. And I, I was so angry at myself, and, at, and, I, and I was angry at God. I'll just be transparent. I came out here because I thought I was obeying, who, obeying your will, Lord. And um, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to go back home and go to Florida State. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I, and I did. That's what I did. That's why I went and graduated from Florida State. I was running away from the ministry. And, and then I remember I met this pretty little girl in Panama City named Lacey. And I, uh, and she told me, I remember she told me, she said, hey, um, and we were dating and I proposed to her, we got engaged. And she, I remember one night she said, you know, it was prophesied over me as a little girl that I'll marry a pastor one day and, we, and we're going to preach to teenagers and we're going to preach to adults and we're going to see people get saved. I said, really? <laughs> and we, you know, and it took a couple of years for that to really sink in and then I, 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 I did District School of Ministry, I got my credentials, I got all that stuff, and, and I'm here. I mean, that's really a fast version of that story. But, but the whole point is, is we got to choose. I, I had my idea of success, and sometimes I still do, 
But I really think abandoning to God and, and abiding in Him and hearing His voice, the way I view success sometimes may not be the way He views it. And I just got to be sensitive of that, and I got to be okay with that. I got to trust Him. I got to trust Him. And that's the next thing. Abandoning to Jesus involves that we trust Him completely with every part of our life. This may mean giving more to missions or maybe just simply speaking up and sharing the love of Jesus to a friend or to a coworker or to our neighbor or to our frenemy, as we tell the kids. Uh, um, it, it just means just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because I really believe that the Holy Spirit's always speaking. We just got to be still and know that he's God and know that he wants people to come to know him. So once we've decided to abide and once we've decided to abandon, the next and the final step is to advocate. I want to share two verses with you, and I'll explain what I mean by advocate. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, this is what it says. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's Jesus' words there again. And then we go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. What I mean by advocate is this, is it just simply means to speak up and to speak out for those who can't speak for themselves sometimes. Or sometimes they just don't choose to. I believe that we as believers are all commissioned to go. Go into all the nations preaching, proclaiming the good news that Jesus is alive. That he's here to set you free. He's here, as we saw, as, as the kids sang, they've been singing that song in this set list for the last month, and it's just, an, it's just a powerful song that we're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer held into the bondage that Satan tries to trap us in. But we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and he loves us for who we are. And why would we want to share that with someone else? Why would we want to tell someone this great news? So we're all called to go. But I think it's even cooler that Jesus says in Acts 1.8, I'm not going to send you by yourself, but I'm going to equip you with the Holy Spirit. Because there's going to be things you can't do on your own. There's, going to, there's, there's an endowment of power that's going to come upon you. And there's going to be words of knowledge. There's going to be words of wisdom. There's going to be prophetic words. There are going to be signs and wonders that follow. I don't think just what happens in the church world, but I think it's what happens outside of these four walls. How cool would it be? I tell the students, because I've heard, that, you know, I remember one time, um, in high school praying for kids, uh, and this was when I was a junior and I was, I was leading FCA at the time. We had a tragedy take place at, at Weewee Hitchcock where we had a young girl, a junior in our, our class die from a car accident. And, and I remember going as, you know, I was just a leader in my youth group and I, I remember going to the hospital with my youth pastor and, and, um, visiting the family. And I didn't have any words to say. I was just a 17 year old kid. I, I, and I remember the mom just looking at me and said, You don't have to say anything. You just, you just hear. And I had the re- responsibility, because that happened in the summer. I had the responsibility at the start of school. We always opened with a, uh, they let us, FCA let us open with a, a prayer rally called See You at the Pole. It happened in September. And I remember putting that, or, putting that thing together, and we promoted it. And, you know, Weewee Hitchka is not a big town, but uh, it's not at all. But with over 350 students that morning, the whole high school, middle school, and all the teachers gathered around that pole. And I remember praying, God, give me an opportunity to present the gospel in such a clear way. 
And that day we got to present it at, to the whole entire school and the student body and the principal. And I saw friends who I never thought would come to know Jesus get saved that morning on the school ground. How cool would that be? I tell our students, how cool would that be if that started happening in our schools here in Tallahassee? I believe God can do those things here in Tallahassee and it is our desire to see that happen where students are equipped to know how to share the gospel They know how to abide in Jesus. They know how to abandon their will. And then they know how to speak up and know what to say. Because the Holy Spirit leads them to do that. Listen, I say it this way. We want to pray for the moment. And we want to share in that moment. We want God to give us opportunities. Just God moments where we get to share this love with other people. Silence is the enemy of truth, church. And when we don't speak up and we don't advocate for the lost or the broken or the poor, we allow injustice and darkness to continue. I believe that light shines brightest in darkest places and that the darkness has tried to overcome the light, but it shall not ever happen. Because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. In this postmodern world where we say, where they say, not me, truth is relative. They say truth is, I say truth's not relative. I say it's not a concept. It's not just some fancy idea, but Jesus is truth. He's the absolute way. He's the only way to the Father. And that is the only way that you or I can ever lead someone to salvation is through that beautiful, sweet and precious name of Jesus. You know, church, as we get ready to, I'm getting ready to close this thing down because I I believe all people need to hear this truth, spoken in love, not in hate, spoken in, in sincere love, no matter where they are, no matter where anybody is in their life, I believe that they have, they're not too far from the love of Jesus. And until I don't have any breath left in my body, I want to tell people that. And I want that to be the heartbeat of the students that we get to pour into here week in and week out. You know, when we abide and we abandon and then we choose to advocate, we're saying we'll do whatever it takes so others can hear about Jesus. And one way as a church, and I I know I'm talking about the human right and speed the light. The human right is the overall movement. Speed the light is just one of the drivers, one of the cars in that. And through speed the light, we are choosing to advocate with a group called Convoy of Hope. And Convoy of Hope is the, uh, is the compassion relief agency that is, or, or organization that's affiliated with the Assemblies of God. They go into disaster zones or they, they feed over 150,000 kids, um, uh, through their food programs and other nations. Uh, they, they, they help equip women to start small jobs. They, they help grow sustainable farms. They, they, they do so much, but Convoy of Hope has a heart to, to reach the least of these with, with not just with their basic necessities, but also with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch this video real quick and you learn a little bit more and I'll come back.
Amen. I don't know if you guys remember in December of last year, we, we did the Convoy of Hope, Day of Hope, uh, that we, the big wall with the truck on it, the truck that you saw in the screen. And, and we've just made it, uh, in that one month, we gave enough money as a church to pay for a quarter of one of those tractor trailers. And I thought, I thought that's incredible for one month. What could we do in 12 months as a youth group and as a church? And God just really spoke to my heart and said, that, you got to finish that project out. You got you to see that it's done. Because that tractor trailer will not only just be used one time a year, but it will be used for years to come to transport needed um, relief and aid to communities, to villages, wherever they choose to send that truck. And, and through giving to Speed the Light, all the funds that Speed the Light raises, um, they, and it goes to Convoy, helps to buy those vehicles. There's teenagers all around the world, our teenagers. We challenged them last Wednesday night, an eight-week goal. They... I said, let's just believe God for $1,000 in the next eight weeks. And we, we pray, I preached, and we prayed, and we got altar time. And then I count all their, their, uh, um, their pledges up, and they had pledged in the next eight weeks to raise like $3,500. These kids have caught the vision. They just believe in, in missions. They believe in giving. They just super, I mean, I, I always only believe in God for $1,000. they are believing God for $3,500. They have incredible faith. I'm proud of them. Um, So mom and dad, if you're missing stuff in your wallet, please let me know. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I, I really just want to go for it. I, I want to believe this year that God's going to do this. I, the, the truck cost, the, the trailer costs about $20,000. And I, I, I'm reading a book by Mark Batterson called uh, The Wild Goose Chase. And Mark says in there, and this really just hit me in the heart the other day when I was reading this. He says, I want to do things that I am incapable of doing. That way, I don't get the credit for them, but all the glory and all the credit goes to God. I want to believe God for big things that I'm incapable because I can't write that check because it will bounce. But God can. As Pastor said, God doesn't need our money. He's, take, he's, he's, got, he's not fretting. He's not, he's not uh, wringing his hands. He's got it all taken care of. But I believe that the miracle's in the house. I really believe that. I believe that through, through our sacrificial giving, and we're going to give you as a church an opportunity to sow back into Convoy of Hope through Speed the Lie. As our ushers are getting ready to come, I ask, you know, we're, the service isn't quite over. So I, if, you, if you don't have to leave, I ask that you stay because this is a holy time. We just want to honor God in this time. If you're giving, if you, if you believe in this, you would love to sow back into Convoy of Hope, uh, help us reach this goal where we can reach thousands of people, not just with basic necessities, but with the gospel of Jesus. You can either give uh, through check or cash. If you're writing a check, make it payable to Evangelist and Live God. If you're giving on, and then make sure you mark Speed the Light on that memo line in this for this offering. If you're giving online, you can do that as well. Just indicate that it's for Speed the Light where Ms. Gala and our finance people know where to allocate that money. Through us and through our students, we're going to see this strategy fulfilled. Not just where we reach people outside of Tallahassee, but where we reach people here in our own city. So, Lord, right now, we just agree right now as a church family, Lord, that we choose to abide in you, we choose to abandon our will, and we choose to advocate for those, God, that may have never heard of your sweet love and the, the salvation that you offer. And God, whatever we give, whatever we're able to sacrifice this morning, Lord, I believe you will bless and you will increase and you will multiply it for the, for the glory of God and so that... Hell may be plundered and heaven may be filled. And you will use evangelism of God to do that 
this year, not just for Convoy, but for missions, giving all around. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.